December 2022, only days before the Christmas holiday and Hanukkah. A historic extratropical cyclone, also known as a bomb cyclone, created winter storm conditions, including blizzards, high winds, snowfall, and record cold temperatures across the majority of the United States and Canada. Almost 20,000 airline flights were either cancelled or delayed by days and millions of passengers were stranded in airports. Oh, please, ma'am, isn't there something you can do? This flight cancellation is ruining my family's very unique Christmas traditions. I mean, no one else does them. It's just so special to our family. Please, I'm, I'm begging. There has to be a way you can put the pieces together and, and save Christmas for us. It just sounds so simple. You know, a plane and a crew. And how hard can it be? Well, my. Even though we've canceled 14,000 flights today and I make minimum wage, I think you have a great idea. I haven't thought of that. Finding a crew and an airplane. It's such a marvelous idea. Why hasn't anyone else thought of that? Let me go back to the break room and see if I have anything laying around. Oh, thank you. Oh, you'd save our Christmas. Thank you, thank you. Well, I checked in the break room and I didn't find a crew or a plane. But I did find a pack of peanuts from 2007. So here you go, honey. And Merry Christmas. Next, please. True crime. Sex. Political conspiracy. Celebrity gossip. Murder. UFOs. Crooked officials. The occult. Assassination. Courtroom drama. Rape. Corporate scams. Scandal sheets. Hello, everyone, and welcome aboard our latest scandal sheet journey of air travel meltdowns. My name is Ellie, and I'm taking the flight controls on today's podcast, since my commercial pilot experience makes me more qualified to talk shit about airlines than my co-host, Thad. And Bernice, until computers take over my job and passengers are willing to get in self-flying airplanes, you aren't qualified either. Whatever you say, Ellie. Finally, someone with leadership skills in charge. So, that leaves me in control. Thad, how are you today? Well, I'm glad I'm not traveling, given all the issues that have happened over the last couple of weeks. I'm I'm glad I'm sort of just sitting in my house. So uh, that's how I am. So, Thad, you mentioned that you used to travel a lot for work and you flew all over the country. I did. And you mentioned at one point that you have a fear of turbulence. And now I think a lot of passengers just really fear airline meltdowns in general. Um, You know, they just fear like being stuck at the airport for days on end because all the flights have canceled. 40% of the population is scared of turbulence. And I have good news for all of you in that you really don't have to be scared of turbulence anymore. It really just seems like you have to be scared of the IT guy billing coffee on a server. And I'm sure it's not actually that simple for the two prime examples that we're going to talk about today, which was the FAA-initiated ground stop and then also the Southwest holiday travel meltdown. But it begs a question of how can so much go wrong 
with one little mistake. <laughs> well, I don't know if that get, makes me uh, feel good or, or bad because I used to work with a lot of IT guys and when, there was a lot of coffee being spilled on keyboards and just about everything else. So uh, you didn't know if they um, wet their pants or if they had you know spilled their coffee on their crotch. But uh, and, and maybe there's no difference. I don't know. <laughs> Ellie, we were initially going to do a podcast bashing airlines and their meltdowns, but we've broadened our scope to discuss general air travel meltdowns since this week demonstrated that you can't always blame the greedy capitalist airlines. Well, maybe I can. Uh, you can't always blame the greedy capitalist airlines for having to sleep on a terminal floor and convincing yourself that chewing Orbit scum is a good substitute for brushing your teeth. Even when your luggage winds up in Milwaukee and you're in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. You know, in less than a month, the United States experienced two fairly catastrophic events that caused thousands of airline flights to be canceled and created a lot of havoc over the Christmas holiday season. Right. And my question is, since these events occurred only three weeks apart from one another, are they related in some way or is that just a coincidence? You know, the main coincidence between these two events is just poor technological infrastructure. So maybe a little bit of both. I'll tell you what. Let's take them one at a time. Okay. So the first one, the Southwest meltdown, occurred between December 18th and the 26th, which caused the cancellation of at least 12,000 flights. Thousands more were delayed, and it was triggered by a massive weather event right before Christmas called Winter Storm Elliot. Bernice, can you tell us a little bit about Elliot? I can. From December 21st to 26th, 2022, a historic extratropical cyclone created winter storm conditions, including blizzards, high winds, snowfall, and record cold temperatures across the majority of the United States and parts of Canada. The cold wave affected all the United States from Colorado to the eastern seaboard and as far south as Florida. The storm and the related cold wave killed at least 98 people over a five-day period and occurred across 17 states. In excess of 18,200 flights were cancelled in the U.S. during the storm period. About 6.3 million households in the United States and 1.1 million in Canada were without power for some part of the storm. The storm was unofficially named Winter Storm Elliot by the Weather Channel. The National Weather Service described it as a once-in-a-generation storm. So, Ellie, I moved to the Washington, D.C. area in 1989. And for 25 years, I had to travel back to Illinois, where my parents lived, over the holidays. And this is going to sound nuts, but guess what? Winter storms have a tendency to occur in the middle of the winter. Who would have thought? <laughs> and I was always flying through or to Chicago O'Hare each time. And uh, as a result, I've spent more time sleeping on the floor in O'Hare than I did in the womb. And believe me, every winter storm is always described by the mainstream media as once-in-a-lifetime, snowmageddon, snowplowcalypse, blah, 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 blah. Now, is the weather really the full story uh, in terms of what happened this time, or what is it really? Okay, so part of it definitely was the weather before Christmas. Okay. So we had that massive cold front that came through. I mean, what remind me again what you said the lowest temperature was at your place in Washington, D.C.? Well, okay, I, my average temperature here, like today, it's 49 degrees. 
<laughs> right. I'm complaining. But, I mean, I mean, but, yeah, no, that, no, that that day when you know it was what Christmas. Oh, okay, yeah. Christmas, I mean, it, it'll get down to twenty degrees, you know, once once a year or something. But there was that massive storm came through where it was like eight degrees in Atlanta. Oh, really? In Atlanta, right before Christmas. Okay. okay. Yeah, with 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 winter storm Elliot, right? So they had this massive. You know, cold front moves. That through. does sound a little and chilly. Yeah, yeah. yeah For Atlanta, yeah, you know, I think now they call them they call them Arctic blasts, and so it was really, really cold all over the country. And I know, like in New York, they had jet bridges freezing to the ground; they couldn't move. A lot of places had like pretty serious de-icing delays. So every airline had to cancel and delay some flights right before Christmas. But then Southwest specifically had a lot of trouble getting their operation back up and running after Christmas. Mm. And so depending on the airline and how big their operation is, what happens when you have flights canceled or delayed is you have to go back and rebuild these what we call trips for airline crews. So if you have a trip that goes, you know, starts in New York and then goes down to Charlotte, maybe back up to New York and then down to Orlando, and the Charlotte portion of that cancels, then you have to reroute that crew and make sure that they get to Orlando. So in this example that I just gave, if you canceled that Charlotte trip, then it's pretty easy to just delay the crew and then they'll just fly from New York to Orlando. However, if you have an airline like Southwest that regularly does more point-to-point operation, which is where they might go from New York to Charlotte, and drop off a few passengers in Charlotte and pick up a few more passengers in Charlotte and then go down to Orlando, it's very efficient for their airline on a normal day. But if you have to cancel the Charlotte part of that trip, it makes things extremely more complicated because now you can't change out the crew members like you thought you would. You know, maybe the passengers who were just going from New York to Charlotte don't need to board that flight because now it might be needing to go directly to Orlando. There are a lot of different factors in play when you have to rebuild these trips. And the system that they used to rebuild those trips was not working. And disclosure, I do not work for Southwest, so I'm a little unfamiliar with how it happens. But when you have thousands of crew members displaced and people have to go back through and manually rebuild these trips according to galities for rest and all of our contractual work rules, then it it just becomes like a, a race against the clock to try to rebuild all of these trips. So it was like poor technological infrastructure from the beginning where things like this had happened before on a much smaller scale. And maybe it was not as bad of weather or not as busy of a travel season. And then as a result, they just kind of slid by and they were like, oh, we'll fix it later. We'll fix it later. We'll fix it later. And then it never got fixed. Poor technological infrastructure. Okay. So next time we get a little snow or it gets a little chilly, is this going to happen again or can you airline people fix this? I mean, we still have nine weeks of winter left to go in this year. I mean, look, statistically this winter, I don't think things can get worse than the Southwest meltdown <laughs> because there won't be a time like the the holidays are over for this winter, right? right. 
So <laughs> there statistically won't be a time when that many passengers are traveling for one specific holiday. Now you have spring break stuff that'll happen in March and maybe a few right. other times, but like the whole country doesn't take spring break on the same weekend like they do for Christmas. Right. And I think there's always winter weather. There's always going to be these computer outages. And look, the wound is still fresh on Southwest massive dumpster fire. So they're an easy target to talk about. But you really don't need a lifetime of frequent flyer miles to know that airline computer outages have resulted in hundreds of thousands of passenger headaches over the last decade. And I have a few examples of those if you want to talk about them so that we don't just pick on Southwest. No, sure. Go ahead. So in October of 2021, SkyWest Airlines, they canceled over 700 flights in one day. And our listeners may be thinking, I've never heard of No, I, I've Sky never West. heard I've of SkyWest. I, you know, I don't know. What do they fly? Uh, uh, experimental planes or? No. So they are a contract <laughs> airline and they'll fly for. Oh, okay. So they fly like Delta Connection, American Eagle, United Express. So they'll, you know, when you're flying on a smaller airplane from city to city and you buy that ticket. Okay. Right, right. When you get on one of those commuter planes, they're like, they're not actually operated by United or American. They're somebody else. Right. Yes, exactly. So like that last time that you flew from D.C. to Richmond. <laughs> Richmond. Yeah, exactly. That would have been on a regional carrier. Okay. So, but that was a big deal, right? Because they had a massive cancellation that affected all of the major airlines because all of a sudden you had connecting passengers who couldn't make it on their mainline flight. United evidently likes to time theirs by decade. They had major outages in 2007 and 2017. So maybe hold off booking your vacation with them in 2027. Mark your calendars. Wow. In, in also 2017, big year, Delta had a massive crew tracking outage, which is similar to the Southwest meltdown. They also had another big one in 2018 over spring break. And that evidently cost them like over $150 million in revenue. And I don't know, with wow. inflation, what is that now? A trillion? Anyway, just kidding. <laughs> um, they, they ruined spring break for dozens and probably thousands of sorority girls going to the beach in Pensacola or something. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. See, American Airlines actually had a scheduling snafu recently last July in 2022, where they allowed pilots to drop over 37,000 hours of flying in over the 4th of July. And in wow. 2017, I think in 2017, they accidentally gave all the pilots Christmas off. Oh, wow. So that is a problem when all of your pilots get vacation on Christmas, since that's when most people want to travel. And they ended up fixing that problem by paying their pilots premium pay to come in and fly over Christmas. And then I think this is my favorite one. Best of all, in February 2022, Frontier Airlines had a big meltdown on the day that they announced a potential merger with Spirit Airlines. That merger never went through. And I think we can see why. It would almost be like going on a first date with someone who gets drunk, loses his phone, keys, credit card, and then makes you pay for dinner. And when he needs a ride home, he calls his mom, but he can't remember her phone number. You know, that was always my favorite trick. I didn't just pretend it was a... I forgot. Yeah. Okay. You pretended you forgot the phone number. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So no airline is actually immune from all this. Is it because they all run on the same computers that the dinosaurs 
uh, and our distant uh, ape-like ancestors learned to type on? I think that's a good reason. Now, look, I don't know anything about like IT infrastructure, and I don't really know how every individual airline systems work, but it is an interesting trend amongst all the airlines that, you know, they all tend to have these same minor or major meltdowns every few years. So yeah, I mean, no, no customer is immune, no passenger is immune, no airline is immune. So, okay. So what about the second event, which occurred about two and a half weeks later? Now that wasn't specifically a weather event, right? It was, it was, uh, had something to do with the FAA and it only lasted a day. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. It actually only lasted a few hours, but it did have like a ripple effect that ended up lasting a few days, kind of like through the remainder of the week. So same question as earlier, Ellie, since we learned that the entire air traffic control system of the U.S. is running off the equivalent of a 1982 Commodore 64 personal computer, that problem obviously can't be solved overnight. Will this happen again without warning? Uh, that's a great question. You know, every day at work kind of feels like a gamble at this point. <laughs> Honestly, I I can't answer it. I personally just stay in my lane. I know nothing about computers that run at the FAA either. And so I'll just leave that to the FAA's IT department to, to solve that one. I will defer that question. Okay, in the FAA, just you know, for our audience that doesn't keep up with uh, federal government acronyms, the FAA stands for Federal Aviation Administration. And uh, for those of us who don't know, they're the guys in the air traffic control tower, that big tower at an airport that are actually managing planes taking off and landing. Is that correct, uh, Ellie? Making sure they don't crash into one another? So air traffic control is the one in the, in the tower. The FAA is the body that oversees the entire airspace system in the United States. And that, that encompasses aircraft, pilots, airspace, and all of that. So really, air traffic controllers work for the FAA. They're FAA employees, but the okay. FAA itself has a lot more responsibilities than just air traffic control. Okay. Okay. But then there's this other thing called, the acronym is N-O-T-A-M-S. Is that NOTAM? NOTAMS? Yeah. So we, we just normally use a soft T on that. We call it a NOTAM. NOTAM. Okay. And for decades, you know, that was shortest for notice to airmen. And last Wednesday, during this whole ground stop, Yeah, what does that mean? Let, yeah, no, notice to airmen. So, fun fact, last Wednesday, 99% uh-huh. of pilots <laughs> fun fact. learned that at some point it was changed note to notice to air missions. Like, I remember watching CNN and thinking, what? They have it wrong. It's not notice ah. to air missions. I googled it. Evidently, in 2021, the Department of Transportation decided to boost inclusivity and change it, which I think is funny because, you know, now that inclusivity is a top priority for the FAA, the nationwide ground stop makes more sense. Because after all, the best way to make all passengers feel included is to cancel everyone's flight. You know, like airport dumpster fire. They shouldn't be reserved exclusively. Well, sure. Let's be fair. Yeah. Come on. You can't just cancel Southwest. Yeah. I mean, why do you want to just have one, you know, it's like, hey, you got canceled. Come on, man. How come I didn't get canceled? What's, what makes you so special? <laughs> this is an all-inclusive ground stop. <laughs> Nobody's going anywhere. 
but to really answer your question, NOTAMs are a piece of safety information that all pilots are required to read throughout, like, uh, that pertain to your route of flight. And you have to accumulate these and read them and be briefed on them before you fly. And so these will tell you things like runway closures or airport construction. If there are any like towers where the lights aren't working, especially at night, you know, you need to know about that kind of stuff. And so for me, honestly, these just appear in my paperwork for a specific flight. And so I don't really know the black magic that like goes on behind the scenes and the computers that like makes all of those notums populate. But the moral of the story is you can't fly without them. Wherever they come ah. from, however they get from the computers onto my paperwork, uh-huh. you know, that wasn't happening. And so therefore, you can't fly. And like we talked about, the all-inclusive ground stop, everybody's grounded. Ah, okay. No, and and, and I see the, the Federal Aviation Administration, FAA, is in charge of all this. I saw on their website that their mission statement is to provide the safest, most efficient aerospace system in the world. That might be true. But if you <laughs> ask a pilot, the FAA's motto is actually, we're not happy until you're not happy. And, you know, that's not copyrighted. So really, the rest of the traveling public can just adopt that as they wish. I, I, you know, Ellie, I think they're succeeding at that. If that is their sort of their underground motto, I think they have they have abundantly succeeded at that. Uh, you know, so <laughs> I've, I've, yeah. I've been part of crews where there's been a, a total uprising against, you know, thank God you guys are behind a locked door. Uh, since since uh, 2001, because otherwise you'd probably be pulled out and thrown out the uh, emergency airlock. Well, you know, every time every time we close the door and I just like press my ear up against it and I hear like four crying babies in the back. That's when I'm really thankful that there's a door. <laughs> Well, you know, I always feel sorry for them because I, you know, even though uh, nobody hates the airline industry, with all due respect, more than I do, because I spent so many decades patronizing it. Patronizing or uh, pa- patronizing? I said on, on behalf of my employer. But, uh, you know, I really do feel sorry for these flight attendants, the women and gay men that uh, <laughs> that give up their that give up their professional careers to be yelled at by angry people. They really, you know, they, they work hard and they're, they're the best. And also so are gate agents. I mean, and gate, you're right. No, no, they, they get a bad rap too. Yeah. Especially when you get a good one that just has like such impressive patience and grace and kindness towards people who are being so, awful to them. I, I'm just amazed. I'm like, how how are you surviving as a person? Yeah, flight attendants and gate agents, I, I really appreciate them. And that definitely does not go unnoticed when, you know, when passengers are nice to them as well. Do they get some kind of like, do they go through a training, like a six month program or something where people just yell at them and scream obscenities and say like personal things about their appearance and their weight and everything else. And then they just learn to take it. Do they go through something like that? I think that's just their first six months on the job. (laughs) (laughs) So if they don't quit, they already, they've already gone through it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. 
and and you guys yeah, as pilots don't really have to deal with the public that much, uh, although you do have the terror of taking off and landing a 35,000-ton piece of aluminum filled with people, usually uh, often in the middle of, well, at least for you, because you're located in Alaska, in the, the western, the upper northwest. Here you are in the middle of winter. You're, you're about to step on a plane, and God knows what you're going to be headed into, what kind of a snowstorm or some kind of apocalyptic weather event. I mean, I'm not sure I'd use that word terror. Okay, okay. And Anxiety? We just call it, you know, they're, no, they're just, you know, a few challenging aspects of the job, but, you know, that's what you train for. So, Okay, I mean, so you're saying, oh, look, I can see the lights. There's lights on the side of the runway. Just aim for those, okay? Let's go. That's okay. it. <laughs> that's, that's it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You see the lights. You're good. So, you know, I mean, God, you can start your flight training anytime. Okay. Yeah, well, if it was that simple, I, I, I guess I probably would have signed up for it. Well, that about wraps up this segment of Scandal Sheet. As we taxi toward our gate, I want to thank my co-host, Ellie, for piloting and safely landing this episode. We hope you'll follow or subscribe to Scandal Sheet on your favorite pod platform and share it with all your friends. We'd also love it if you'd leave us a shameless, over-the-top rave review on Apple Podcasts especially. That helps us build audience. Also, we want to hear from you! You can reach us online at scandalsheetpod.com, Facebook, or Twitter, or just send us an email to contact at scandalsheetpod.com. See you next time on Scandal Sheet! Copyright 2023 Thad Helsley Media LLC. All rights reserved.